0: Hollywood is rated LGBT radio starring your host,
1: Rob Watson. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of rated LGBT radio. Uh, today we have an important discussion lined up for you, one that um, is uh, hugely significant to the culture of the United States right now. Um, and specifically, we're addressing a culture that has been created in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, you know Oklahoma from the musical, I'm sure. Well, it is has uh, become kind of a ground zero for violence against LGBTQ teens um, due to the recent death of trans teen Nex Benedict. Um, Nex's death, which occurred after a beating in a girl's restroom um, at school, uh, has been widely credited, partly to the um, environment created by Libs of TikTok and um, the superintendent of schools in Oklahoma, who created a very anti-trans culture. Um, that is trickling down and inspiring bullying and all sorts of nastiness, um, and much, I'm sure, to the wounding of the psyches of LGBTQ teens, and in this case, the actual physical life of one of them. Um, the, um, this tragedy occurred on February 8th. Um, it was done uh, allegedly by three girls uh, beating Uh, uh, next up in that restroom Um, we're going to be talking today um, about what it is like to be an LGBTQ youth in the state of Oklahoma and the effects that uh, the death of Next has had on that state there have been a lot of vigils a lot of reaction and um, there was also an article out um, kind of on a a broader level through the scope of the United States itself um, on a site or a publication called pointer and pointer pointed out that this tragedy got its footing and the news of it got its footing thanks to LGBTQ media and particularly LGBTQ media led by editors such as Brody Levesque the um, producer of this show as well as the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. And Brody was widely quoted in that that article. Um, And the question was, why didn't mainstream media pick up on it stronger and they still haven't um, really done the full force that they could um, on it even to this day? Um, Our guests, we have quite a lineup. Um, We're hoping to talk to a student in the school system named Travis, waiting for Travis to potentially call in. Uh, We also have on deck Scotty Hernandez. Scotty is the president of PFLAG, Oklahoma, and uh, an LGBTQ youth advocate. Uh, Lance Preston, good friend of the show. Lance is the founder and executive director of the Rainbow Youth Project USA that does huge, wonderful outreach for LGBTQ youth and um, their helplines and extending services um, to that, that community. Um, and also Chris Williams, a queer youth advocate working through the Diversity Center of Oklahoma in Oklahoma City. Um, we are going to first go to Brody Leck with the news, um, and then we'll start our discussion. Here is Brody.
2: Good afternoon. Um, I'm going to go one-state top, Oklahoma. I'm going to talk about Texas. In a filing uh, earlier today, uh, P Flag, who's represented by Lambda Legal, along with the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas, uh, are seeking in federal court to block a demand from Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, this latest from the transphobic, homophobic, A.G. Paxton, Uh, would require PFLAG to identify its trans members, doctors who work with them and contingency plans for anti-trans legislation in the state. Uh, Paxton issued what's called a civil investigative uh, demand at the beginning of the month, wanting these identifying information and records uh, from PFLAG, Uh, PFLAG in its filing today responded that this is retaliation for its opposition to anti-trans laws in the state of Texas. Uh, People also is alleging that these demands violate the freedom of speech and the uh, association protections afforded by the Constitution of both the U.S. and Texas. Um, my columnist uh, and colleague journalist Aaron Reid uh, wrote about it uh, today uh, at the Los Angeles Blade. Um, I need to point out that Texas, in addition to this, has also reached out to two other uh, jurisdictions um, demanding that private entities cough up any patients they may have treated from the state of Texas. These demands uh, went to a gender-affirming care clinic in the state of Georgia. There was also a demand uh, levied against another affirming uh, care clinic uh, in the state of Washington. Uh, those are currently tied up uh, in court filings that we have um, in, uh, you know, trying to block the Texas Attorney General from taking these actions. Uh, Paxton has been a long, long, long-term uh, enemy of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, he authored an opinion uh, two years ago that. The um, governor of the state of Texas um, basically took the mean that he could demand that child protective services uh, go after any trans families or trans kids in the state of Texas, uh, in, including probably removal from their homes. This latest demand uh, to P flag uh, is in basically the same line of thought with that. And again, this is just one state south of Oklahoma where we're gonna be talking uh, with those folks. The atmosphere and the environment that's being fostered, not only just in the state of Texas, but in neighboring Oklahoma by its governor and by its superintendent of education, Ryan Waters, uh, is exactly part and parcel of the overarching problem. I've had multiple conversations with the Human Rights Campaign Lambda Legal, I've spoken to PFLAG, I've spoken to GLAAD, I have spoken to other members of different groups, including Equality Florida and Equality uh, California. This has really become uh, an issue that presents itself as a clear and present danger, not only just to the queer youth, but to queer people. And as you said in your preamble uh, for today's broadcast, this is also led by a former resident of Brooklyn, New York, who now sadly lives in Los Angeles, the uh, extremist creator of the TikTok platform, Lives at TikTok, the homophobic, transphobic, Chaya who the superintendent of education for the state of Oklahoma literally just put on a library board, even though Chai Rayek doesn't live in Oklahoma. The rhetoric that these people use, the different things that go on with this is just incredible. And when you start talking about legal maneuvering and legal actions, like what's going on in Texas right now, you know, it, it's just it's a bit much. And so it's become a pile-on. I think what a lot of people don't understand and don't realize is that there are, you know, directly attributable effects to these type of actions by people like the Attorney General of the State of Texas, the officials in Oklahoma and elsewhere, and it is literally endangering queer youth. I will let Lance address that because he heads uh, one of the largest and best organizations in the United States in that space, and so I'll let, I'll let Lance talk about that, right. but this is what's going on right. now in Texas, right?
1: Yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got some questions for you on this, this case in Texas really quick. Um, so what, who exactly are they looking for, for the, in, the, in that information they're demanding from people? Like, is it just trans kids or their parents or trans adults? Who, who all uh, is on this list, and what laws are they planning on going after them
2: with? Well, um, if folks will go to the Los Angeles Blade, they can get the whole lawsuit and what it is. I'll detail the following from journalist Aaron Reed's reporting. For the lawsuit, he flagged national states that it would be required to disclose Texas trans youth members, including complete names, Social Security numbers, dates of birth, jobs, home addresses, telephone numbers, and email addresses. It also states that they would need to hand over documents and communications related to their medical care hospitals outside the state of Texas and contingency plans discussed among members for navigating the new laws on gender affirming care in the state of Texas. Okay. In addition to youth, uh, it would also go after the families of the youth. Um, You know, these demands have been made, uh, as I said before, Q Medical in Georgia, Seattle Children's and Plume Healthcare in the state of Washington. Um, So, all of these, I should note, okay, especially in the case of Georgia and the state of Washington, those fall well outside of Texas's jurisdiction, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Both, now in the case of Washington, and I'll note California's got one too, has a shield law, okay, that prevents and prohibits the sharing of protected private information related to transgender and abortion care with out-of-state entities, which would include Paxton. That particular federal lawsuit is ongoing, okay? Um, Paxton has already gone down the route of compiling a list of individuals who had changed their gender on Texas driver's licenses. Now, this would mean adults as well as minors. Um, In the PPAC filing, the attorneys for the ACLU and Lambda Legal are arguing that this is part of a larger pattern seeking identifying information about anybody who's trans in Texas. Um, P-PLAG, of course, uh, is alleging, and rightly so, according to the attorneys that I have been spoke, uh, have spoken to, that these demands are an overly broad and unreasonably burdensome fishing expedition and that violate the members' rights of P-PLAG uh, to the Freedom of Petition Association speech and assembly. And it is. It's a, it's a very overarching, well, overbroad investigative tool.
1: Yeah, I I've, I've got I've got one word for for the whole thing. Of the whole description you just gave, fascism. I mean, it's insane fascism. Um well, with that and in that tone, I do want to bring on all of our guests, um uh, well, bring you guys all on at once. Uh welcome Scotty, welcome Lance, and welcome Chris. Um it's good to have you on the show. Um Scotty, I do want to start with you. Um, given that you are president of P Flag Oklahoma, what is your reaction to this story that uh, Brody just described happening in your nearby state of Texas?
3: It's mortifying, and it kind of not to make light of the situation because it's not a light situation. It reminds me of the Handmaid's Tale. Like, what is what is their intention behind all this? It sounds like we're being rounded up like a herd of cattle and just waiting to be taken somewhere else that they see fit for us. It's, it's alarming, and I, if it's happening in Texas, it's probably not far behind in Oklahoma. Um, they are unfortunately very close in the way that they think in politics. Um, and just to clarify, I am president of PFLAG Oklahoma City. We do have some, some other chapters around the state that um, kind of help support different geographic locations, but we're central Oklahoma City and the surrounding metros.
1: And um, are you guys prepared if something like this, this demand, came down on you for Oklahoma? one um, Have you guys got a contingency plan on how
2: to react to it?
3: 100%. So um, being a local realtor in town, I've had the ability to create partnerships with local legislation, um, starting from, from our council people all the way up to the Senate um, that do uh, have a more level way of thinking and um, do hear what we have to say and are huge allies of our community. Um, so they're, they're ready to go. The moment that any uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, legislation is presented, they come to us and say, here's what it's saying, how we need y'all's input on how we can combat this. And Although it's an uphill battle, we we haven't let off because there is. I mean, it feels like just every single time we go into a new legislative uh, session, we just have a an a a surmounting amount of legislation that keeps being presented or brought back to the table. Um, But we're we have some pretty strong allies that uh, we have on our side, thankfully. That we're we're really pushing um, and. Uh, I've taken it a little bit further and um have also put myself on the ballot just recently um to get better representation for the community because we are right. we're a diverse community and we don't uh, see a diverse representation at the Yeah, you know. was,
1: my condolences on your campaign. I was hoping you would be able to to get further on that. Um but um love that you are out there um, putting your name out there and, and making a, a statement um, going for that. Um, Brody, I want to pivot back to you momentarily on the death of Nex Benedict. And for our listeners who, for whatever reason, are not fully aware of the details of that, can you give us a brief um, accounting of what happened to Nick?
2: The story is still developing. It's a little convoluted. This is what we do know. There was an altercation, um, I believe it was in a girl's bathroom, although next identifies as they, them, um, and there had been problems in this particular school before. It's Oswa High School. Oswa is about 25 minutes north of Tulsa. It's in suburban Tulsa. Um, As a result of the altercation, The three female uh, suspects jumped next, uh, beat them pretty badly uh, to include uh, severe and serious head injuries. Uh, The school did not call an ambulance. The school did not notify its resource officer. It said a school nurse and a guidance officer urged uh, the grandmother and the mother to take next to hospital. It was at hospital, and we had the body cam that was issued by the hospital police department, up at the LA Blade if you want to watch it. Uh, the school resource officer finally got around to doing the interview um, in a rather patronizing fashion. The very next day, there were medical complications. According to the mother, uh, Nex's breathing became very shallow. Uh, there were other issues. They got Nex back to hospital. Next passed away. Um, we also understand that the hospital police department uh, has not gotten the final uh, autopsy report results. That in and of itself had created a lot of controversy because they had initially responded to our inquiries and the local press saying that it did not appear that the beating had anything to do with the death. They've now since walked that back. However, the final has not been released. So, Um, At this point, we don't really know what the cause of death is. Um, The police are maintaining, okay, that the possibility of um, murder and or slash manslaughter charges are not off the table. That's as far as the law enforcement will go. Um, The biggest part of this, though, was our understanding is this had been an ongoing dispute between Nex and these three individuals and another group in that school. We also have learned that apparently this was not a, you know, situation where they just encountered Nex in the bathroom and took the opportunity. Uh, Apparently it was premeditated, which is another reason that the law enforcement authorities are looking at, you know, probably charges and everything else. Um I need to know that Yeah. Let
1: me ask you about that that because um in in different accounts where from nexus statement was that um Nex had they had been bullying, which was a normal habit for them to do with Nex, and Nex tossed water at them and then they responded by pounding him. How what is the nature of the premeditation Mm -hmm. that you're hearing about that they planned to be there that the throwing of the water was just uh, incidental in the situation or you know how is how is that
2: we have sources telling us that this was we have sources telling us premeditated okay I cannot answer your question I don't honestly know the water throwing incident okay may have been a contributing factor we're being told that this is this whole thing was the result of, of, of an ongoing process where Nex is being, uh, they were being bullied, okay. And that this was not right, you know, this was this thing, there was a history here between next and these three particular individuals. That the water part of it, I don't know, okay, in terms of you know the overarching viewpoint. Um, and I, and I don't think it's germane to what the investigators are telling us either, but then again. We're not sure what they're looking at. And without a final determination by the coroner as to cause of death, it's going to get a little dicey on, you know, that particular aspect of it. Right. And I think that that's where the dust is going to have to settle.
1: Oh, I think I lost Brody there. Um, Oh, I want to go. I was actually done talking. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Right. You went very silent, which is very unusual. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, True. Chris, I want to come go to you. Um, you're kind of on the ground there in Oklahoma City through the Diversity Center. Um, what are you seeing in terms of this ongoing bullying of kids in the school systems in Oklahoma? Number one and number two. What was the community reaction to um, this death? Um, I know there were several vigils and um, the reaction seemed pretty big.
4: Yeah, Um, well first of all bullying is not new in in Oklahoma City, um, well Oklahoma schools. And so I started working with our youth in 2003 and I can tell you that ever since I've worked with our kids um, bullying has been an issue that we've been fighting nonstop. Now of course the rhetoric um, that is coming from our capital and our false mm-hmm. politicians and all of the bills um, that continue to come at us in a rapid fire way um, is not helping obviously um, the situation or the air in Oklahoma. And so as far as, you know, you got to understand that our kids were born into an era where they had more rights than we've ever had and this is the first time mm-hmm. they're dealing with rights actually being taken away from them, um, and that's scary. And so I can't even, as an elder, I can't even imagine what that might feel like. You know, we've been going up this hill, and all of a sudden we're taking some steps back, we're taking some hard tips. Um, You know, and Lance will tell you about all the the calls, um, and suicidality is obviously a big thing um, in Oklahoma City, and and all of this has a correlation. Um, When we had the vigil in Oklahoma City, which I was at, I had the privilege to, to say a few words. Um, looking out just upon that crowd, um, hundreds of teenagers, um, you could see the tears. You could see the, the fear. You could feel the fear um, and the hopelessness. Um, it's like what is, what is a child supposed to do in a situation like this, especially when other children are literally just mocking, or not mocking, but um, doing what the adults are doing one of the things that um, we made note of last night and have been really trying to carry the message today is the patriotism, um, patriotism, um, not pride act, House Bill 3217 was actually passed out of committee the same day or well, that same morning that afternoon next was getting beat up in the bathroom. So things matter. Words matter. All of this stuff matters. It's, it's scary um, I will tell you as as an adult um, who's been in the fight for over twenty five years um, i've never seen I've never seen it this bad locally um, nationally, yes, but locally Oklahomans are pretty good people um, they're not being represented appropriately in my opinion um, at the state capitol and so We need people to start speaking up and our allies really getting out there. And I could talk forever, so I apologize. But one of my calls to action was, you know, we do need accomplices. We don't need allies anymore. We need people that are going to get in there and really fight for us and that sweat and that blood and those tears um, and put their bodies in front of us to get this job done and to make this this area a safer place. People are moving left and right. Um, I had a mom call me the other day just crying and say, do you remember when I dropped my son off at your your program five years ago, and I cried in your arms then and said, what if he gets bullied in the bathroom? What if, what if somebody kicks his butt? And the reality of it was is that he was bullied in the bathroom, graduated, he's now 18 years old and going to college and doing good. But it's just, it's it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It,
1: it is, it and is an incredible question. amount. You did, you did. And, and you know, it's, I do want to point out that Next was in the bathroom, not necessarily even the bathroom where um, they should have been, because I, from my understanding, their closest um, friends and people they dated referred to next as he. Um, so the next was even further in the transition, um, but next was in the quote-unquote assigned at birth restroom. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and it's just, it's, it's insane. It's, it's crazy. Um, Lance, I do want to go to you because, um, as Chris mentioned, you are, you know, on touch with kids via the phone calling in, you know, um, you know, depressed and, and horrified and near suicide. What are you hearing specifically from like kids from Oklahoma or similar states?
0: The Oklahoma call numbers are absolutely through the roof. They're unprecedented. But before I get into the numbers, I want to remind you that the numbers being high, even though it's alarming, it's also a good thing, Rob. It it lets us know that the kids are reaching out, they're seeking guidance, and they're seeking support, which is much better than them being silent and just internalizing it. So having said that, this broke on the media February 16th. Between February 16th, on that Friday and that Monday, the Rainbow Youth Crisis Center received 237 crisis calls from Oklahoma alone. They continue to escalate. We are now on the last day of February, and we're well over 1,000, right at 1,100 calls, with 95% of those being between February 16th and today. The really scary part about that is that a very large majority of these, these callers Um, It's something like 87% are reporting bullying at school and schools not being proactive or reactive to the reports of bullying. So that within itself is, is definitely alarming. But one thing that has been a little different with the Oklahoma calls is we have parents that are calling into the hotline saying, how do I support my child? What are my Title IX rights? What are my legal rights? How do I make the school take action when my child is being bullied? what are my options so of course we appreciate those parents and I wish that every kid had a parent like that but most of them don't so we really have to stand up and be strong in our allyship and be their voice because um, Chris is absolutely right I was at that visual in Oklahoma City the fear is on their faces the fear is coming through their voices in calls to our resource hotline um, and we really have to pay attention to that you yep. know And um, as you guys pointed
1: out, you're in Oklahoma City. Is Oklahoma City, and I'm going to guess this because this is what I've been told, in a lot of other states where um, there are horrible laws on the books and the the tone is is horrendous, that um, the urban centers tend to be safer and then the rural areas are the ones that are really the hotbeds of hatred. Um, Would you say that is characteristic of Oklahoma as well? Um, I Can I answer that? <laughs> Go ahead.
4: Being, being an, being an Oki, okay, I will tell you that typically that's, that's true. But, um, again, being an old butch woman um, who has sat in the bars and watched friends get run over in the middle of the street because we have a big uh, gay district, we're back to that point again. Um, people driving around our neighborhood and yelling out um, expeditives and scaring us, and so I don't know that the city is any safer right now than the rural places are, but that's that's my two cents. Yeah, no,
0: and I can you tell that. you that, that even though we're receiving crisis calls from um, very rural areas in Oklahoma, even some of the native, the tribal lands, we are also seeing those calls from Metro Tulsa, Metro Oklahoma City, so I think it's kind of at a I think Chris is right. It's kind of at that point to where you really just have to um, be careful no matter what. Yeah,
1: it, it's, it, it, absolutely. Um, uh, Scotty, I want to go back to you on, uh, and as, as the head of Flag, Oklahoma City, um, what, what are the parents' reactions and what's happening in Flag? I imagine that, that the level of concern is through the roof there as well.
3: Yeah, so we do a monthly support group uh, meeting, and we've seen an increasing number of either trans individuals or family members of of trans individuals that are coming to band together and find support in one another um, to see how they're making it through these times. Um, We have a hotline as well, and me and the vice president of my chapter, have personally, um, you know, in the middle of the night, get a call uh, and you know, drive out an hour and a half one way to literally pick up and bring back um, a trans youth uh, that was in a in a situation that was either life or death, and the local police was doing nothing to help them. So we got in our car and drove and got them. So um, it's a lot of boots on the ground kind of assistance we. We're a small chapter, but we do um, partner with a lot of local organizations um, that allow us to broaden our reach, um, and we are increasing our presence um, online and in person so that these community members have, even if it's just once a month or once a week, they have a safe space they can come to and just vent to us, um, and hopefully we can connect them with resources close to them.
1: There was one teacher that um, in in the same school as as next that um, was being vocal in support of um, LGBTQ students who um, was eventually pressured to be fired. Um, Scotty, obviously you were making a valiant attempt to get within the system, the school system itself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what are who is the lifeline in there currently? Is, are there people in that school system that LGBTQ teens have some sort of solace from or watching out for them from within?
3: You know, that's a great question. And the the reality of it is I don't know. I wanted to be that person. Um, our I can speak specifically for Oklahoma City Public Schools um, as a district, the chairperson that oversees the entire district is a lesbian woman, and uh, we have the opportunity to get to hear her speak on one of our panels uh, in, the, in April, and that is something that we want to bring up to them. We have a, um, so a non-binary council person um, as well that kind of... Um, is a, a vigilante in their own way um, and helps us kind of intercept all of the bad, and we take the blow for it before the kids do. Um, but there hasn't been representation, kind of like Chris said. They're just it's, – it's either people say there are allies, but then nothing happens, or there just hasn't been any period. Um, so having our, our chairperson be a lesbian woman, uh, they – it's a beacon of hope. Um, but it's not enough. Right. Yeah. So, so
1: I, I want to ask, I want to ask your input uh, and all of you who were at the the vigils and and uh, part of the the voices that are speaking out right now in Oklahoma. Um, and Chris, I think your your point was really I related to a lot about how a lot of us in the past, you know, we 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 kind of grew up expecting to be persecuted for
4: being LGBTQ mm-hmm. it,
1: it was sort of like not not um you know we we didn't harbor any fantasies that that was going to be easy and and our coming outs were really acts of rebellion against what we we were fighting against whereas today's youth you know we've we we gave them a window of feeling like it'll get better it's going to get better it's on you know progress is happening and uh, may have, have created a, a false sense of security that now is being ripped uh, away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but individual the and the messages that were given, what message of hope um, resonated with you that was being spoken out loud to the at- at-risk youth? And I'll open that up to, to any
0: of you. Well, I'll go first and tell you that for me... It, it One, it proved something that I have known For a couple of years now Working with partners in Oklahoma The Oklahoma City LGBTQ community is resilient um, They are strong They are looking to make the progress necessary And take whatever steps is necessary To see that progress and to challenge these things And that is something that stood out to me But it was the silence of this event that spoke louder than the words. The, the looks of determination, the looks of sadness, the looks of, you know, what do we do? How do we take this pivotal moment to, to effectuate change? That silence spoke very loudly to me. And even though Chris Williams is, is, is someone that I love, admire, and respect, I say this, what she said that night was absolutely on point and spoke to many hearts in that crowd.
4: So Chris, you got called out as <laughs> you, got, you got called out as being
1: the word, the voice of inspiration. What what what? I mean, obviously that came from your heart. What what was in your heart that night?
4: Here's here's the thing is that you know again working with our kids as long as I have um, and trying to build you know that bridge within our community between the different generations. Um, I don't know about y'all, but nobody really trained me to be a parent for the next generation. Um, we've been just evolving and figuring this out. And yes, we look back on it now and did we do a disservice by our children by not preparing them? But but nobody prepared us. I mean we're all we're all evolving and we're learning together, and that's what's beautiful about our community is that we do have. Um, this sense of family. And so, yeah, one of the things that I said was I asked for all the adults, uh, the queer adults in the audience um, at the vigil um, to raise their hands because I wanted the babies to see who their family was, who their supporters were, who, their, mm-hmm. who, their, who was fighting for them, and to remind them that, that we are we are giants and, and they're not alone and um, and that they're loved and they're, they're supported and and also just that call to action um, for our allies to to do better. But that's um, looking around the the, the vigil and seeing these babies being able to look at their elders from 20 on up to 80 years old and knowing that they weren't alone, I think, is extremely impactful. Um, It's one of the things, like I said, that I've tried to do throughout the years with my youth groups is to make them understand that they're connected not just to their own peers but to other people that have gone before them and have paved that way and they don't have to do it all by themselves.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um, I do have a question for you, Chris, and going back to what you pointed out, you know, about the past and our experience there of the LGBTQ movement, one of the things I know was happening then where we were facing a – um, a hostile society towards us, is right. we realized the path in was education, to get in and educate them. We had, you know, the, my local um, gay centers and uh, diversity centers had speaking panels that would go into schools that to, not to argue with them, but to educate. Um, is that still going on? Is there any room for that? And one of the areas that I'm most frustrated is not educating more forcefully is actually the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, who should be getting out there and really educating people about what the trans journey medically really is, because it's always
4: misrepresented. Well, you want them to be accomplices instead of allies? Yeah, me too. Um, So one of the things that in – and I've have spoken for years, um, my boss included, um, at the Diversity Center or Community Center there in the heart of, of the gay district, and then you know, we do presentations all the time. Um, so the problem is is getting the right audience in front of you, um, because everybody that wants to come and hear you speak um, usually kind of have their LGBTQ 101 um, under their belt, uh, want to know maybe a little bit more. Um, probably one of the best presentations or opportunity for presentations that I've ever had was talking to our CASA workers at the state. Um, Those weren't folks that would come to a typical queer training. And so I love to especially connect with rural people because I'm a rural girl, and they think I'm automatically born into a house with a disco ball, and I'm like, no, I was brought up just (laughs) like you. And so I speak rural Oklahoma. Um, It's where my heart is. It's where my people are. And so it is about breaking bread and not coming in with shame, but, you know, making them understand that we all go through this process. If you would have asked me 20-something years ago how I felt about trans folks, I would have had a much different answer than I do today because of my ignorance. Um, I was just a big old dyke going, why is everybody changing genders? I don't understand. Why can't they be a big girl like me? Um, But you know what I mean? And so I think that's important, too, for us to – show that that vulnerability about ourselves, that we are fallible, that we make mistakes, um, that we are ignorant, we are a product of our environment. And the point is, and what Grandma used to say, is that if you're not learning something new every day, then you must be dead. And so we need right. to learn something new every day. Um, so, yes, education is there, being able to just get out there and, and get into the right, um, like I said, to the right voices to the right ears, uh, for the people to listen and and to, and and to listen to them too, we've got if, if we want to be heard, we've got to sit down and 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 talk the hard talks with folks and listen to what they've got to say. So,
1: it, yeah, I, a I, I, I actually I, no 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 I totally agree because there's a fear there that is burning behind these people, and um, one of the the points I've always tried to make with people is that in the the, the one big fight we had with marriage equality that was mandated by courts, and that when that went throughout the United States and we had victory and we became visible, um, that didn't answer people's biases it didn't didn't eradicate their fears of us. Um, it just forced us on them, um, and mm-hmm. not that we didn't have a right to be there, we did but we didn't get the whole job done. And so a lot of that hatred, a lot of that fear went underground, and now it's yep. being allowed to emerge again. Okay. And it is ugly. It is incubated, and it is ugly. Um, Brody, I've got a right question now, for on a, on a,
4: oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go
1: ahead, Chris. No, go
4: ahead. Well, I was just going to say on a personal note, um, I'm the first queer parent to ever be taken off of the birth certificate, and my case is on its way or is – at the appellate court of the state of Oklahoma. So our what? rights are being attacked left and right, and I don't want to I don't want to make this about me because it's about our kids right now, um, and it's about our rights. But Shane Mullen, who was attacked by I mean Ryan Walters and his awfulness um, towards him as a principal um, being a drag queen. I mean it's just it's 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 a nonstop I mean heavy artillery.
1: Coming at us. I I totally agree, and I feel for you because I'm on my kids' birth certificates too. And you know, it's it's not under attack in California. But and I'll be honest, uh, there was a point when my boys were were toddlers that I had heard. I don't know if this actually went through or that it was speculated or wanted, but there was some talk that if you were uh, an LGBTQ parent going into um, Oklahoma with adopted kids that they could challenge your adoption and try to take your kids from you. So I don't know if that's a legend or whatever, but it did not make me want to visit Oklahoma anytime soon. I'll just put it that way. Yeah,
4: that was back um, when they were running households. Yeah, eleven forty. Yeah. But Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. Brody, I want to ask you, um, about the story breaking and mainstream media not picking it up as readily as um they should have. Um, is, the, is there a Jesse Silette I'm not sure I'm saying his name right, factor going on that has made media skittish of jumping on stories too soon and fear of um, that they're being misrepresented and not wanting to go out on the line or on a limb um, and ramping up these kind of situations
2: early? Part of the problem with mainstream media is the decisions that are made by the traffic directors and by the line producers of the broadcast outlets and a lot of times by news desk editors when they look at stories like this. I mean, for those of us in the queer press, this is a Matthew Shepard moment, hands down. That's what this was. Uh, And that was the approach I took when I went uh, to GLAAD and the Human Rights Campaign to get them uh, in behind the effort to push mainstream media into covering this story. There has been decent enough coverage, but it hasn't really been focused in, for whatever reason, on states like Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Arkansas, and, and Missouri, and some of these other places. We've seen better coverage on issues outside of it. But mainstream media still has a problem uh, in covering uh, LGBTQ issues, even in general. And in many cases, and and death uh, of this young person included, literally had to be leveraged by active advocacy from not only just Glad and the human rights campaign, but frankly, those of us in queer media uh, who've got the ability to get through to our mainstream colleagues and say, you've got to cover this story um, and and not bury it. On the ground in Oklahoma, there was only real coverage coming from uh, KJHR, which is a Tulsa affiliate, uh, and they were misgendering next, and it was, quite frankly, they patronized uh, the entire family and some of the folks uh, that were working on it. The next major media outlet that picked up and ran with it uh, is the state's premier newspaper, which is called The Oklahoman. Uh, and when once they finally did it, and they're more or less the paper record for the state of Oklahoma, uh, then it just started to spread. But we were not seeing any momentum. Uh, it was almost as though they were just so disinterested by it because there was just so much, you know, anti-trans, anti-trans, anti-trans. Uh, and quite frankly, um, I don't think that it's stuck on a mainstream, oh, this isn't sensational enough for us radar screen. And that really is a reality. When you start combating, you know, I'll, I'll point a finger at my colleagues in the press. You know, you folks love a good mass shooting. But a gay kid or a trans kid getting beat to death, ho hum, huh, another one. Let the gay yeah. press handle it.
1: It's interesting because the one of the themes of um, a decade ago, a little longer than that even, was um, bullying and anti-bullying. And you know, it's like the press was was very much all over bullying incidents and um, the issues in schools not doing enough to prevent bullying and. That was a huge, huge piece of discussion. Still going on today, but the discussion now is woke, anti-woke, book bannings, et cetera, et cetera. Outrage against the initiatives um, that are being propelled by the anti-woke crowd, but also things trying to understand the anti-woke crowd and, you know, giving forum to – them and trying to have quote unquote a middle ground which i'm not sure how you can find a middle ground and but more to my point is bullying is virtually being ignored at the mainstream press level these days
2: um well it is and i need to add something here when matthew shepard was killed bill clinton was president president clinton immediately jumped on it that's the biggest bully pulpit I can think of is the White House. As a result of the president himself saying something and making note of it, suddenly those of us in mainstream press were like, oh, wait, here's the story over here we need to cover. When President Obama covered the issue over bullying and the suicides that we experienced in 2010, because it was a little pandemic of them, all queer youth, the president said something. The president and the first lady said something about bullying in the ongoing effort. Mainstream press paid attention. We have a problem with this White House. We have a press secretary who acknowledged it, but that's the end of it. We have yet to hear from the president. We have yet to hear from the first lady. And here's the thing. Without that sort of real noise coming from that, okay, then... You know, it, it's like mainstream press will cover so much, but you know, I've noticed in my forty careers of being a journalist, okay, that if the White House gets involved and says something, then suddenly, for whatever reason, it is on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt and David and World News Tonight. I kid you not, and this really is part of the problem, okay. Right. And I'm and I am pointing the finger at the White House because. The president has said nothing about the death of the 16-year-old. The person he served as vice president literally would be all over this. Right.
1: right. Okay, Brad. Thanks, uh, thanks for that input. I want to move us along because uh, we're running out of time, and I want to give each of you uh, our, as our guests uh, a minute or two um, for kind of some final remarks. Let's start with Scotty. Scotty, what are your final thoughts on this?
3: Um, Well, I think that um, the small ways that we've started in Oklahoma City of getting the next generation involved and encouraging them not to just, uh, I was told one time uh, a favorite saying of mine, um, and I continue to use it and try to inspire the voting age youth to get involved, um, not to just something or don't talk about it but be about it Uh, It goes back to not just having allies like Chris said but having uh, accomplices I think she said Um, so if I can make any kind of impact um, to the listeners is to encourage the youth to get more involved and keep being loud because that's the only way we're gonna be heard Um, we We are a a united community, and I think that together we'll just continue to get stronger, and it's not over until we give up, and I don't feel like this community is going to give up anytime soon. Great.
1: Uh, Lance, what are some final thoughts from you?
0: Well, I want to go back to, you know, Attorney General Paxton's request for information, and I just want to remind you that just June of last year, You know, we had the same situation in Tennessee, an investigation into Vanderbilt about medical billing. That's why they needed those records. We're a year later, and we still, that whole investigation fizzled after those records were turned over. So I agree with what you said. I think it's a reason just to get these records, which is, is alarming. But as far as our youth, one thing that we're trying to do is to validate the feelings and the emotions that surround the tragedy with Next Benedict but also show these kids that this positivity that as a community we are united that they have an army of allies that are you know supporting them that it's okay not to be okay it sounds cliche but it's very true and that like in Oklahoma City all of our partners diversity center p flag you know other options q space expressions Oklahoma City Indian clinic i could go on and on is a very close knit family Support services are available locally. They're available from us and other organizations on a national level. Definitely reach out for, those, for that support because um, that's what's going to help you get through it and make you stronger. But we also want to show some positivity. And Chris, myself, PFLAG, we have some ideas that we're working on to try to bring the community together and, and families together over the next few weeks. But we're not going to give up, and they shouldn't give up either. That's
1: awesome, and I can't wait to hear about the ideas. And I love that you guys are putting energy, creative energy towards all that. And, Chris, I want to give you the final word on this. What What is your final message on oh,
4: this? You know, so one of the, the favorite things I heard at the Creating Change conference this year was you take the I out of illness and replace it with we, it becomes wellness. So we got to bring the we in. We've got to build... Uh, even more community than we've had uh, before. And so, you know, final words, just like what Lance was saying, and, you know, people give to your, give to, give to queer organizations. Um, it's me and my boss right now running our little community center that we have, a gender diverse group, we have a, a binder program. Um, I'm the intimate partner violence uh, coordinator, the only one in the state um, that's uh, certified, not me specifically, but the center. Uh, to work with our our community and we've got we got a direct line to our attorney general's office so they may not be able to protect us from a city and local state level but we are protected by a federal level and so if if harassment is happening that is IPv that is violence um, call us and let us know what's going on so we can get it reported because I sat in a meeting a few months ago and they said the attorney general said oh we haven't had any three or we haven't had any Um, murders of trans people in the last three years. And it had been just literally three years ago that we had a trans man murdered in Lawton, no, McAllister, Oklahoma. And so we need to be counted for people to understand what's going on because if we leave it up to our local and state officials, then everything gets, you know, pushed under the rug. And so we have to be strategic about things. Our kids need to know that we've been here, done that, and we're going to take this even further and that they are protected and nobody's going to run us out of our damn state.
1: Good. Excellent. And I want to thank each and every one of you, not just for showing up here today and having this conversation, but for being you and doing what you're doing. Um, you three are heroes. Um, this this will continue and this will get worse without you. Um, you are You are the front lines, you are the fighters, and um, yes, we absolutely need the accomplices accomplices signing up and fighting alongside with you, but um, even when they do, I know they're going to look to the three of you for guidance on how to do that and how to be effective, and um, you guys are incredible at what you do. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, for being you and doing what you do. Um, I'm afraid that is it for us for today with Rated LGBT Radio. Please do pay attention to the Los Angeles Blade. That is the place where you will get the breaking news on all of this stuff. Um, It changes every single day. You can find that at losangelesblade.com. Also on there, um, we'll have references to... The different organizations and um, i'm sure you can find them online as well Um, please check them out and lend your support and most importantly be there for lgbtq youth let them know they are not alone and let them know you personally are fighting for them Um, that will not go unnoticed and you actually may be saving some lives um, in the process so Thank you for all of us at Rated LGBT Radio. We will be back again next week, and we will talk to you then.
0: You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.